All right, let's, uh, let's pray. God, thank you for this chance to finish up this series on, on what it means to be a radical follower of you. And may uh, we see tonight the uh, importance of our words and the things that we say and why we should choose uh, our words carefully and wisely. God, may tonight just uh, have an impact on us that, um, that uh, we leave changed and impacted by your word tonight. Name I pray. Amen. All right, so we are on week three, our last week of our RAD series here, kind of flashing back to the 90s, the greatest decade ever. I don't care what anybody says. Where everything was pretty rad. We, we've looked at uh, the, the fashion last week with those big Junko jeans. We've talked the music that we had. We looked at some TV shows. Um, but it's been, it's been, like I said, it's been fun for me mostly because this is when I grew up. But there are a lot of words that scream 90s to me. Uh, but these next four words, bless you, scream, scream 90s to me probably more than any other four words. Did anybody ever watch that show? Anybody know what the show is? Family Matters. Uh, so if you're not familiar with this TV show called Family Matters, let me fill you in. I got one more video, Brandon. Sorry. This 90s sitcom was all about the Winslow family and their, their nerdy neighbor, Steve Urkel. Urkel was an odd dude, but he's brilliant and he was lovable, but also just goofy and unpopular and clumsy. And since his clumsiness kind of often resulted in some, some, some kind of destruction for everybody around him, we heard Steve say his catchphrase of, did I do that every episode? There's another thing we saw in many of the early episodes of Family Matters, where Urkel and a dude named Fuffner, he was the school bully, um, and how they exchanged words and whatnot. So Brandon, I don't know if you muted it or not, but I got another video to play. We'll see if it's... Okay. If you watch the show, it's pretty obvious that this dude is a jerk. He broke into his locker and he does other things he does. He bullies everybody, so it's no surprise why the, um, why the audience kind of loves it when Steve lands a, a comeback for him sometimes. But we've all been in situations where we've exchanged insults with somebody. Whether it's in fun or, or, or anger, sometimes we use words like weapons, like when we gossip or when we start rumors, we criticize, we mock, we tease, we insult. So what about you? Have you gotten angry because of somebody's words recently? Anybody? I was called fat today by a coworker of mine. By 
somebody's mom in here and call me fat. It's rude and hurt a little bit. Have you have you been hurt or embarrassed by somebody's words? Have you have you ever said anything to anger or to hurt or to embarrass somebody else recently? If we sat down and thought about it, we, we've, we've all been hurt by other people's words, and we've all used our words a lot like weapons. So today we're going to talk about our words. You know, it's probably not difficult for you to remember some of the hurtful things that have been said to you, whether it was a family member, uh, a friend, or a bully, somebody online. Hurtful words, they can stay with us, right? The whole sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. That's not exactly a true statement, right? Words can, can hurt. Especially somebody that you, that you have a, a good relationship with says something that hurts you. It's going to hurt a little bit more, right? Because words, they truly do have a lot of power. So what do we do when somebody's words, they hurt us deeply? And what do we do when we really want to use our words kind of like weapons back at somebody? Like we mentioned last week, there were a lot of people who thought Jesus was too radical, too extreme, too different. Remember in the, in the 90s, of course, we're adamant, cool, but its real meaning has to do with being different, or being revolutionary, being countercultural, and that's who Jesus was. So what Jesus said about loving God and others, it was radical. And what he teaches us about our words is, is pretty radical. We've been in the book of James this entire uh, month, so if you have your Bible or Bible app, click it, open it to the book of James. This, this book is just full of practical advice for us. Bless you. And it's just a book. This book's a letter written by a guy named James, who was Jesus' half-brother. I don't know if James and Jesus ever got into fights when they were kids, but I would be pretty terrified to go verbally toe-to-toe with Jesus. Um, not just because he's God. And we read the stories of... Yes, ma'am. What do you mean by half-brother? Well... Well, now that I think about it... Jesus didn't have an earthly dad. So they're half-brothers. And so, when you read the story to Jesus in the New Testament, it's clear that Jesus was pretty clever. Whenever somebody tried to fight or to trick or to debate uh, Jesus, he always had some sort of a comeback that made people kind of stop and think of what, what they were doing, what they were saying. So James was around Jesus his entire life. So there's a good chance he probably lost a few debates to him, right? Because he knew Jesus so well, the letter he wrote is packed with summaries of the teachings of Jesus just retold in his own words. So the book is known for just straightforward instructions for how to follow Jesus. Uh, these teachings might seem simple, but they have the power to create radical change in your life. So we're going to look at see uh, what James has to talk to us about our words. In James chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 2. James 3 verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his, own bo- his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever they, the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. 
but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. I'm going to read that verse again because I want to make sure you, under, you, you pick that up. With it, our tongue, we both bless God and curse people made in His image. That's not a good thing. Verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So here James uses a lot of word pictures to kind of help us understand the power uh, of our words. The first one he talks about is the bit. You guys know what a bit is, correct? If you don't, here it is. This little metal thing that goes in the horse's mouth, kind of hooks into the back. It's tied to the reins. And you use that to steer with very little effort the horse where to go. In the hands of any rider, the bit is a helpful tool that can keeps both human and horse on, on the right track. Then you have the rudder. Of course, this is not a boat, but I figured you were more familiar with maybe an airplane. So you have just this little bitty thing back here. That's what tells it to go left or right. The little rudder in the back. That's it. And so it's, it's amazing that such a, a, an enormous machine like this can be steered by such a small little piece of metal in the very back. Or, of course, you have the spark. You know, we use small controlled sparks, of course, like in a lighter to light candles or campfires, fireplaces, stoves, whatever. But an uncontrolled spark, like our uncontrolled words, can cause a significant amount of, of damage. So when I moved to the big town of Robert Lee, Texas, back in 2008, so I get there, and then I, I take the, the U-Haul back to San Angelo to unload or to give it back, and then I was driving back to Robert Lee, and I was with my pastor, and he, he was the chaplain of the fire department. He got a phone call saying, hey, um, there's a fire. Can, nobody else is being able to respond. Can you come? I was like, sure. I'll, I, let me, I'm coming back to San Angelo. I'll be there in a minute. We get there, and uh, the guy's like, hey, you know, you know, it's not a really big one. And then my pastor's like, hey, this is our new youth guy. Can he just come along real quick with me? I'm like, sure. So that was about one third in the afternoon. I got home the next morning at 4.30 the next morning and 25,000 acres that were burned later because of a static electricity shock of one wire caused one tiny spark to burn 25,000 acres. They had to evacuate the town. The fire was heading right towards Robert Lee. About that time, the wind shifted and it kind of blew the fire towards the lake and put itself out. It's just crazy. My first day on the job, and there I am. I'm like, I guess I'll join the fire department today. Mine is, probably can't get much worse than 25,000 acres. Um, but that one small spark created all that damage. So the words that we say, they might seem small, they may seem insignificant, not that big a deal. But our words, they can have the potential to make a very significant impact. And when the words that we say are harmful, the harm they cause can be pretty significant as well. And you can see James lamenting in this passage about how difficult it is for us to control our tongues. We say hurtful things one minute and then turn around to pray or sing a worship song the next. He's frustrated. James is fed up, probably with himself as, as well as with other people. Remember when we said James often retold the teachings of Jesus, right? Remember he, all the book of James is the words of Jesus kind of retold and repackaged in his own words. 
So if you have a Bible, turn over to Mark chapter 7. Mark 7. We're going to get at one time when Jesus said something that sounds pretty familiar to what we read a minute ago. Those chili dogs are talking to me. Excuse me, i got some burps going on. In this passage, some religious leaders showed up to exchange words with Jesus. They didn't like the radical things that Jesus had to say, so they often picked fights with him. Which I always thought that was just what they did. The Pharisees and Jesus hated each other. Maybe not Jesus hated them, but you know, they didn't like each other, so they would argue and they would fight. But this is what Pharisees did. They, would, they wouldn't fight like in a mean way. They would ask questions. They would challenge you. So this is a very normal occurrence for Pharisees and, and religious leaders at the time to ask questions and to have dialogue and stuff. So that was very common for this day and age. So they would often do these kinds of things, but the Pharisees tried to think, try to had a different heart, different motive behind it. It wasn't just to ask questions. I think he was trying to, to, to kind of trick him and do things like that. So this time they tried to debate Jesus about why, about the way his followers, his disciples were eating. According to these leaders, Jesus' friends weren't following the right religious rules about food. So we're going to see how Jesus actually cared about his disciples' eating habits. So Mark 7, starting in verse 6. Mark 7, verse 6. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And go down to verse 20. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So here we can make some important observations about words. You ever see Jesus' words, they might sound pretty harsh, pretty mean to these people. He isn't cruel, but he calls these religious leaders hypocrites and, and doesn't hold back from telling them the, them the truth. You see that God doesn't want our hypocritical words. No matter how many words we use to pray or to worship, God is not impressed with the holy things we say when we're also using our words to hurt other people. And then our words reflect our hearts. Jesus reminds us to look at what's in our hearts because what's in our hearts determines what comes out of our mouths. If we're filled with greed or pride or jealousy, it's not just our words we need to address. It, it's, it's really our hearts. Both Jesus and James knew this was true. The words we say matter because they're a reflection of who we really are. So we need to watch what we say and watch what's in our hearts. So can you imagine how your family, how your friends, how your school, how, or the world could be different if we decided to not to use our words like weapons? If we could find a new way to use our words, the change, I believe, would be radical. So let me ask you this, do you want to see that radical change? Are you not sure what you think about Jesus? Yes, but you, you know you want to see more good and less hate in the world. Then James tells us how to love like Jesus, because radical people watch their words. Radical people watch their words. Because sometimes it's easier to remember the hurtful things that have been said to us than it is to remember the encouraging things, but people's encouraging words stay with us too. Because even if we can't remember 
can't remember the word for word, remember the way that the words changed us, right? So when we talk, we need to examine closely the things that you and I say. You know, people may not remember what you say. How many of you guys remember what I talked about last week? You know, a couple of you. You may not remember what I say, but you might remember how it made you feel. Like if I ever encouraged you, if I ever insulted you, or put you down, whatever, you're going to remember those things more than the actual words I said, right? And so, so what are some of the things that maybe you and I should do before we speak? The first thing is, is, is to wonder about your words. Whether you're speaking in person, you're speaking online, pay attention to the words that you say. Are they hurtful? Are these words helpful? Are they true? Are they kind? You know, think about those things before you say stuff. The second thing is spend extra time thinking before you speak. The, the uh, disciple Peter, he, he was a guy that did not ever think before he spoke. He always spoke and he always inserted his foot into his mouth because he would say things that would get him in trouble. So don't be like Peter in that sense. You think before you speak. Before you send that text, before you post a comment, before you make that joke, just pause for just a little bit longer, maybe than you normally would. It's so easy to be careless with our words, but this pause can help us think about the impact that our words truly make. The third thing is forgive when words hurt. We can't forget, we can't unhear, we, we can't unsay hurtful words, but we can forgive ourselves and others when words hurt. Forgive each other. Forgive yourself. We're all still growing, we're all still learning, and nobody's perfect. And the fourth thing is choose words that help. And watching our words doesn't mean staying silent or only saying nice things. Like Jesus, sometimes we need to say words that are true, even maybe when they're uncomfortable for that person. So how do we know what to say? Try saying words that help, saying words that uplift, words that speak truth, or challenge others to be more like Jesus. If you see somebody not living the way that they're called to live, that they, they, they should be living, don't be afraid to tell them, but in, in, in a loving manner. It's not easy to be so careful about our words, but that's the point. Radical, important, world-changing things, they're never easy. So this week, when you leave here and you go home, you go to school, whatever it is, will you decide to do something very simple for me? Just might be difficult, but very simple. We'll... We strive to love God and others with the words you say. That's, all, that's, what I, that's, my, that's what I'm asking you to do for this next week. We strive to love God and love other people with the words that you say. Because radical people watch their words. This whole series is to focus on James, the brother of, of Jesus, the things he said, and how he kind of characterized and summarized the words of Jesus. You know, how to live, how to look more like Jesus. If you grew up in the 90s, you had... These really cool WWJD bracelets. If you went to church, you had one. How many of you guys have yours on? All right. Everybody else is a bunch of sinners. All right. Um, I said on, not just that. Do you have one? Do you have one on? Let me see. Mm, yeah. And so these were big. The WWJD stands for what would Jesus do, right? And today I want to give you guys a new bracelet. It's not a WWJD bracelet. These have another one that says H-W-L-F. He would love first. So what would Jesus do? He would love first. He would love those people with the way that he talked, the things, the words that he spoke. He would love first. With the things 
how we would listen, how we pause and listen more than he would speak. You know, he would love first, and he's calling us to love first. You know, it doesn't mean we play favorites. We would love first. And so I have these beautiful, these are a lot more shiny and more colorful than the uh, WWJD bracelets. But you guys can grab one, pick one up here in a moment. But he's calling, I'm, he's calling us to love first, to love God, to love people. And that's what we're called to do. That's what I'm asking you guys to do, is to love God and to love people. Let's pray. God, thank you for this, this series and, and what it meant as we studied the book of James and saw how it, Jesus was radical because he lived and looked so much different than the people and, and the teachers around him. And I pray we, uh, we desire to be like that, we desire to look like that, and just to live a lifestyle that just closely resembles Jesus, that we look so much like him in our life, God. God, may we love people, may we love you in, in the words that we say and the things that we we do and, and how we we're slow to speak and how we don't play favorites. May we truly find a way to, to love others this next week. In your name I pray. Amen. Alright, so I think we're still going to do two groups tonight, right? You're going to do two? Yeah, we still got a pretty decent group. So the two groups...